Are you a current or future physician assistant wanting to learn more about finances? Then join me on this journey to become a PA the FI way. Hi, my name is Kat, and I'm a practicing certified physician assistant who will be your host. It took me five years after I started practicing medicine as a PA to thoroughly dive into my personal finances after I discovered the concept of financial independence. I want to use what I have learned to help you avoid some of the financial mistakes that I have made while sharing some of the financial wins that I have had along the way. Join me as we discuss financial strategies to guide you to becoming a physician assistant on the way to financial independence. Hey there, and welcome back to the PA the FI Way podcast. I'm your host, Kat, and thank you so much for joining me for the show today. I wanted to give you an update about our family RV adventure trip that we went on, as well as talk a little bit about the topic of lifestyle design today. As a brief reminder, my family and I went on a trip where we rented a local RV in Minnesota and drove it down to the state of Colorado, did a road trip around the state, and then came back to Minnesota. And with this trip, my husband, my sister's family, and she has two kids, my mom, and then my sister's family's dog all came with. So when all was said and done, there were seven humans, one dog, in an RV for nine days for this trip that we went on together. We started in a suburb of Denver to visit my husband's extended family member and to visit him with his family and his new baby, which was really fun. And we met at this restaurant called Torchy's Tacos. And my husband, Brian, absolutely fell in love with Torchy's so that on the way back home, we actually had to make a bit of a detour to hit Torchy's again in Colorado in another city so he could have it again before we came home. So it definitely rivals Chipotle. It's better than Chipotle. It's really delicious, truthfully. So if you are in a state that has Torchy's tacos, count your blessings. The next stop was the Colorado Springs area, and my sister has headed on her bucket list to do the Manitou Incline hike. And if you guys aren't familiar with this, it's this hike with all these stairs, essentially all these steps going up the side of a mountain, and it's over 2,000 of them. Personally, that sounds like a special type of torture, so I declined the invite to join her, and my brother-in-law, her husband, went with her. So Brian and I were in the RV with my mom, as well as our niece and nephew, and we were planning to go to Garden of the Gods. And this bit of a side detour was the first manifestation and the first lesson of the trip that unfortunately things don't always go as planned as we drove around the area and could not find parking for an RV. So although we had a somewhat smaller RV, it was a class C, so it was right around 31 feet, which is certainly not a tiny RV or a small class B, which are those van type of RVs. It wasn't a really long one either, but most of the parking lots in the area just did not have parking or space for it. So unfortunately, we couldn't really park and walk around Garden of the Gods very much, but we were still able to see the area and it was absolutely beautiful. Then we went to a national park for the next stop, which was Great Sand Dunes National Park. 
And this is a really unique area of Colorado where these giant sand dunes are adjacent to the mountains. And this national park contains the tallest sand dunes in all of North America. We tried to get there pretty early in the morning, but as you can imagine with that many people, it can be hard to get anywhere very early in the morning. And thankfully it was still relatively cool out, but it was still fairly warm and the walk from the parking lot to the dunes takes some time. So it was a very unique and beautiful area to visit, but you can also rent sand sleds as well as sandboards from local places. And we rented ours from the RV park camping site that we stayed at. So we were able to try sand sledding and my niece tried sandboarding as well. And then also people were even playing a game of baseball over the sand dunes over next to us. So with these dunes, there's kind of like little pockets of space so you can walk up and over one and then decide if you want to sled down it or walk down it or things like that. So it's definitely a really unique area to visit. My dear sister also wanted to try this really tall sand dune to sled down as well. So she convinced my husband to join her and she got really good speed going down. But unfortunately, at the end, I think that there was maybe a bump on the hill or it's possible that the dune kind of divoted down and came back up quickly. But regardless, she actually got hurt and hurt her hand. She had a skin tear with a flap that we were trying to decide what needed to be done for treatment. But eventually she was able to feel well enough to be able to clean out the sand. And we decided that we didn't need to go in. And she was just kind of keeping an eye on her joint pains that she was having. So thankfully she didn't get too injured, but it was injured enough that it interfered a bit with the rest of the trip. After the great sand dunes, we drove to southwestern part of Colorado to go to another national park called Mesa Verde. And Mesa Verde, if you're not familiar, is where there are cliff dwellings in the sides of cliffs. And in order to have more time for the next day of the trip, we decided to try to go to that national park in the evening. And we arrived and then we checked in and the ranger notified us that to actually get to the dwellings, it was another 20 some miles away from the entrance to the park and it would take around 45 minutes or so to get there because you are going on these switchback roads up the sides of mountains and cliffs essentially and it was late enough in the evening that we're like oh man are we going to make it before sunset but the ranger didn't have any worries necessarily he just said that part of the road was closed after sundown so felt a little nervous that we might miss it But we were able to make it up there. And then when we got up there, there wasn't a lot of signs or directions or things like that. So it was kind of confusing. And the welcome centers and things like that were closed already for the day. So the first area we were trying to walk around and we weren't really finding anything. But finally came to this path and looked out and were able to see the cliff dwellings. And That first sight was really cool because not only was I excited to see what they looked like, but I was excited that we were actually finally able to find it after a long day of driving. And then we continued on the loop and there's other different oversights where you can see them. 
ideally, you can often book tours where you can actually go really close to the dwellings and sometimes walk. I'm not sure if it's actually in them or right up to them. But unfortunately, there was construction for a lot of the roads in the national parks, so they weren't offering a lot of the tours that we wanted to potentially go on anyway. So we couldn't take a tour, but it was still really cool to do the self-tour where you drive around and then look at the oversights, the overlooks to see the different types of the cliff dwellings. So that was a really cool stop. I think that we would have definitely learned more about the history of them and it would have been more interesting and more fun and, and cool and things like that if we were able to actually do the tour. But as I'm sure many of you know, with traveling, such is life. The next stop that we made was Telluride, which is somewhat of a popular town in Colorado. Many of you are probably familiar with it, but if you aren't, I would definitely put Telluride on your list of places to visit sometime. In the winter, it's a very popular ski town. And in the summer when we visited here in July, it was absolutely beautiful. It was my most favorite city of the trip, the most favorite stop. And part of the allure, so to speak, is that in Telluride, you can take a free gondola ride up to an area called Mountain Village, which is another little town up the mountain. So you get this free gondola ride. That's a fun activity to do, but the sights are incredibly beautiful. It was also the farmer's market in Mountain Village too. So we got to see that and my niece and nephew got their faces painted and things like that too, which is really fun. We then made it up to Rocky Mountain National Park and we drove by the fourth national park that Colorado has and we thought about trying to do all four of them in one trip, but we just honestly didn't have time. And the national park that we skipped was Black Canyon of the Gunningson National Park. But when we went up to Rocky Mountain National Park, they have what's called a timed entry. So you enter the park between a certain time range, which helps with the congestion of everyone all trying to get into the park at the same time. So that actually was really slick and worked out. And truthfully, when we were there, there wasn't a ton of traffic. And I think part of it was that we entered on the western side of the Rocky Mountain National Park and then came out on the eastern side in Estes Park area. And I think that that's often kind of the opposite route that a lot of people go. But the views in that park with all the mountains and the different hikes you can do, the walking, the lakes was absolutely beautiful. We were able to see elk pretty close as well, which is really cool too. And then one of the campgrounds earlier in the trip, we were able to see moose too. So it was really fun to see some wildlife as well. And then eventually we made it home. So those were some of the highlights of the trip. I also want to point out some of the downsides of the trip. With renting an RV, there's often additional mileage costs, usually a certain allotment per day. So the costs added up. My mom wanted to be really generous and help contribute towards this family trip. So she essentially paid for almost all the trip, which was very kind of her. And then we would pitch in for different things here or there, along with my sister and her family. The other thing is that this RV that we rented was a fairly new RV. It only had 6,000 miles on it. 
But when we got it, there were things that were already broken some on it. And I think that that's partially because unfortunately, people don't tend to care for rented or borrowed things as much as others. However, I also think that the quality wasn't really there, unfortunately, with this RV, because there were other mechanical and technical issues. So thankfully, Brian and my brother-in-law are both very handy. And for example, one of the tires was wearing down really thin on one of the sections and they were concerned about potentially having it blow and have a flat tire soon. So they were able to recognize that and then we were able to get a new tire and then the jacks stopped working for the RV. So we couldn't really have the RV be very level at all the campsites. And then they also claim that partially this was a design thing that they feel like at least we had some issues in the bathroom area with things getting plugged and issues with the black tank. And I won't go into details, but we had to supply the RV with a plunger from Walmart. So there were some technical, mechanical, frustrating moments. And I'm sure you can imagine that as a family in a small space, it can become a little testy sometimes depending upon people's personalities, right? But overall, we were able to have this fun family adventure and make a lot of memories. And I'm sure my mom or the gram of my niece and nephew plus my niece and nephew will have tons of memories going forward too. And we'll be glad that we did that trip with my mom getting a little bit older and my niece and nephew being at a fun age to travel because you only get a few precious summers with kids. Another reflection point that I would have would be that it would have been nicer to have had more time in a lot of those places. Some of the campgrounds themselves are absolutely beautiful, and it definitely would have been more fun to be able to explore some of those national parks a little bit more over the course of a couple or a few days. And certainly when we were planning this trip, we recognized and understood that, but it's always the fine balance between trying to see as many sites as you really want to on a trip versus taking the time to relax and try to slow travel a little bit more and enjoy the sights, right? And I feel like that the pace was a little fast. At the same time, we were still able to see all of what we wanted to see. So I want to lead into lifestyle design a little bit. And the topic is a bit self-explanatory, but if you're not familiar with it or haven't read the book yet, I encourage you to consider to read Tim Ferriss's book, that he titled The 4-Hour Workweek because this book popularized the concept of lifestyle design, at least in the modern day. Now, practically, everything in the book may not be applicable towards you specifically, but there are many concepts and many ideas and things like that in the book that just make you think a little bit differently. And that's really what most of us in the financial independence community are all about. As my friend Sammy No over at Your PA Mentor says, there are no rules in life, and the rules that you think are rules are actually fake rules. So the rules in life are fake, and there really are no true rules in life. So let's bring this back to being a PA. You may feel as though your current role, your current job, that it has to be done a certain way, that you have to go to the clinic, go to the hospital certain hours, be on call 
work really long hours, see a ton of patients per day to keep up with the status quo that's required from the people upstairs in the organization, so to speak, that haven't practiced a day in medicine in their life, but make the decisions of how you should be practicing medicine. If you're feeling stuck in that place and feel like that's how it has to be because you feel like that it's the rule of life, it's not. I encourage you to really consider and look into lifestyle design. So lifestyle design, at the roots of it, it is being intentional with your life. Again, a huge concept in the financial independence community. So with lifestyle design, you are being intentional with how you want your life to look now and in the future, by creating the way of life that fits what aligns with who you are and what your values are. If you work 40 hours per week for 40 years, which can be very doable working as a PA in medicine if you want to work that long, then your work is over a third. It's 34% of all of your waking hours for those 40 years. Let that sink in. I would say that most PAs really enjoy and love the profession. Certainly, there are some PAs that have some regrets about picking the PA profession. I've certainly seen it on Facebook groups and things like that. But I would say if you're like most PAs out there, you are satisfied with the career. But are you satisfied with your role? Do you feel as though what you are doing, that you can sacrifice over a third of your waking hours to do that if you're wanting to work for 40 years? I encourage you to be really thoughtful and intentional and really consider what is purposeful and meaningful in your life, not only with your work, but at home too, and what you value. Most people, when they decide that they want to look into lifestyle design and potentially make changes, they have what's called a defining moment. And this is the moment in your life where you decide that the pain of what you're going through So it's probably not physical pain. It's probably more like emotional or mental pain or things like that is not worth it anymore and that you need to make changes, right? So I have talked to a few PAs in medicine that are in their unicorn jobs, meaning that they absolutely love their specialty, their workplace, the supervising physician that they work with, their other coworkers, et cetera. And they wouldn't change a thing. I would say that's probably pretty rare, but it can happen. So they may never have this defining moment that wants them to make a change for lifestyle design. Other PAs might. And once you decide that you need to make changes, the next step is you really need to think about what you can see for your future and try to envision that. And that can be really hard for some who are not forward or future thinking. So I've touched on this a little bit before in the past, but my dear husband, Brian, he is definitely all about the now and live in the moment. So he has a really hard time trying to think about the future. And I'm the complete opposite where I absolutely love planning things and am super future oriented. So conversations about our future life can be challenging because we have two different perspectives. But I do encourage you to try to think about six months, 12 months, five years, 10 years, 20 years, etc. down the road, what you envision your life looking like. Are you practicing as a PA in medicine? If so, what type of role? 
How many hours a week do you have kids? Do you not have kids? How much time are you spending with your kids and your family or your spouse? How are you schooling your kids? Where are they going to school? Are you traveling a lot domestically or internationally? Are you pursuing other hobbies or passions? Are you working on another side job outside of medicine? Where are you living? So once you have as clear of a picture as you can, then you can try different things and experiment and explore and see if maybe you want to pursue certain things versus not. So personally, for example, I have found that I really enjoy telemedicine. And working in psychiatry and mental health has been a very ideal specialty for telemedicine. My patients, almost all of them, prefer telemedicine. There are some that really do like coming into the clinic. I completely respect and honor that. But if a poll were to be done, my suspicion would be it'd be probably 80 to 90%, if not more, like telemedicine because they can have their visit in the comfort of their home. Often people do their visit on a work break or a school break or things like that. So it's an area of medicine that I have really enjoyed personally and I feel like a lot of my patients have enjoyed too. So now that I know that about myself, I'm able to apply it practically with my work. Additionally, my husband and I have tossed around the idea of if I were to have a telemedicine role, could that open up periods of life where maybe we are able to explore more of our country with going camping or RVing or things like that if I were to have a very reliable internet connection as well on the way because you can't count on campground internet to be very good. So selfishly, this trip was also a slight test to see if we liked RVing and if we could envision ourselves doing that and seeing more of the country, more national parks and things like that as well. As a complete side note, on another podcast a while back, I had heard about a family med doc who started a telemed company before the COVID pandemic. And as you know, the COVID pandemic just skyrocketed the popularity of telemedicine and showed patients and clinics and organizations and providers that are really can be used in a lot of different areas. But regardless, she had started her company several years ago and she and her husband have an RV and they actually travel all over the country, but also into other countries such as down into South America. And they have shipped their RV overseas on boats and have traveled on other continents in their RV as well, too, other than South America as well. So that sounds logistically a bit challenging to figure out and costly as well with shipping your RV across the world, right? But when I heard that story, it just made me think how she was looking at the world differently. She was looking at medicine differently. She was ignoring the rules that people were probably telling her and took the steps to design the life that she and her husband wanted. So once you have explored and tested and tried different things in your life, if there's an action that you need to take, you need to take the action. Otherwise, change doesn't happen, right? So if you are not satisfied with what your life is looking like on a day-to-day basis right now, 
it's not going to get better until you actually take the next step and take action to make the changes. And I recognize that this is a process and does not happen overnight. When I was really experiencing burnout in family medicine and decided to change into a specialty, the whole process of job searching, interviewing, landing a role, and starting a new job was six months. It was a whole half of year. And granted, I was pretty picky, but I think that it's very reasonable to be picky when you are changing into different roles. So even once you decide to make changes, it does take time. And try to be patient and gracious with yourself during that process. The final step is thinking back and reflecting on this change that you have made. Is it a good fit? Is it a good new role? Are there better benefits right now for you? How is your work doing? How is your life outside of work doing? How are your relationships doing? And then I also want to emphasize that lifestyle design changes and evolves to different things throughout your life. So what you think right now you want in five years, maybe three years down the road, you can have a different vision or recognize that, yeah, your five-year goal from now really isn't what you need or want in the future. So for those planners out there like me, also recognize that even if you set a plan in place, it probably will adjust and change to your life. As I've mentioned before, life is just simply too short. Even if you have a what we consider to be a lawn life, it'll go by so quickly. But all too often, as in the cases of many of my patients, my patient's spouses, my dad, my husband's dad, so many people, their lives have ended way too soon. And we all know that we don't know how much valuable, precious time we're going to have on this earth with our loved ones. So I really encourage you to think deeply about your life. If you feel like that there are changes that you need to make, that you have the courage and feel empowered to research and explore and trial different things to see if you want to make a change, but then ultimately take action to make the changes as well. So that's what I had for you for this episode today. I really hope that if it hit home that you're able to consider sharing it with a friend, a colleague, a loved one, perhaps your spouse if you two are talking about lifestyle design. And I would absolutely love to hear how you are designing your life, what types of decisions you've made or what types of things you're considering you can let me know by sending me an email, pathefiway at gmail.com, or find me over at Instagram or Facebook and send me a message as well. And those social media links will be in the show notes for today's episode. If you're wanting to check out Tim Ferriss's book as well, I will plan to include the link for that in the show notes as well. Additionally, I plan to share more pictures from our family RV adventure over on Instagram as well as the Facebook group too. So feel free to check out those as well. I hope you are all living an intentional life on your way to financial independence. And I look forward to seeing you back here soon.
Thank you for tuning in, and I hope that you decide to continue to join me along this journey of becoming a PA the FI way. Please take a moment to press the subscribe button on the platform that you are listening to this on, but more importantly, consider sharing with another current or future PA that could benefit from the information that we reviewed in this episode. Take care and have a great rest of your day. Until next time.